This is Hunter Green, former Lobo, on the Talking Grammar Podcast, episode 81. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammar with the Albuquerque Journal, as you just heard from Hunter Green. This is episode 81 of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Much appreciation for, for Hunter taking the time to, to join me in this episode. I think you're going to like his conversation. Um, unique perspective as local businessman, uh, radio analyst for 10 years now of Lobo Basketball, and of course, being the Lobo legend, one of the greatest players in the program's history, uh, finds his name still top in, uh, in top five, top ten of all the major statistics. Um, we talked to him a little bit about that, about uh, some of these current Lobos are passing him uh, right now in some of these all-time rankings. Um, so much appreciation for Hunter's uh, unique perspective on this Lobo basketball season and just covering the Lobos in general. I uh, want to give a quick shout-out right, right now to TLC Plumbing um, for sponsoring this episode of the Talking Grammar podcast uh being again being presented by tlc plumbing heating cooling and electrical and um them doing so just like you subscribing to the albuquerque journal helps us continue to bring you coverage like this like these podcast conversations like uh traveling to cover all these lobo games also high school sports uh lobo football sean Ryder is Fantastic piece on Bronco Mendenhall in Monday's Albuquerque Journal online as well, abqjournal.com. So all that stuff, it's helped by people like you subscribing and viewing. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, subscribe on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud, whatever you're listening, however you listen. If you're watching, subscribe to the YouTube channel that uh, you're watching this on. So it, it helps us. All these episodes will then show up automatically when they, when they come out. Helps us bring... All this coverage in the Albuquerque Journal Podcast Network is starting to roll out a few more podcasts, if you haven't already noticed right now. This one, as well as the high school sports one that uh, James Yotis does, have been the uh, the two long, uh, I guess the, the two old ones now, the, the long-lasting ones. But I've uh, got some new ones rolling out that you guys should be uh, taking a look at and should I imagine will be pretty interested in. So, back to Lobo Basketball, Saturday as bad a loss as there's been in the pit, um, re- really ever, one of the worst losses in the pit with all things considered. Um, the Air Force was ranked 273 in the net rankings coming into the game. The UNM Lobos were 20th. Aside from just the, the gap between where the two teams were ranked, you have a Lobo team that looks like it's about to finally break a 10-year NCAA tournament drought. And they they find themselves on the right side of, of every NCAA tournament projection coming into this game. Uh, they they just came off a, a Wednesday night last second win over number twenty two nationally ranked Colorado State. That is three wins over ranked teams in the pit this season. Lobos have never beat three ranked teams in the same season in the pit um, until this year, and they beat San Diego State, Utah State, Colorado State, which were all ranked. Things were going good for the Lobos, and then Saturday, you know, horrible uh, performance. They they let the Air Force Falcons knock down. Eight of their 11 three-pointers in the second half, including the dagger, rightest Petritus three-pointer with seven seconds to go when JT Toppin misses a defensive assignment. Frankly, uh, Patino said he overhelped on on a, a play, and he, he did, but there was no reason to help in the first place on that. You, you can't leave the best player on the Falcons open and uh, just hope to close out on him when he has a wide-open three-pointer for the win. And uh, that's what happened. So a uh, horrible play at the end. And we we get into that a little bit, uh, Hunter and I, but for the most part, we talk about the season in general and stuff like that. The Air Force game, I will uh, point out the, the good and the bad of it. One of the worst losses in pit history, 
um, may have cost or, or certainly made a lot more difficult the chances uh, of the Lobos getting into the NCAA tournament. Um, they still have two really big games ahead in the regular season at Boise State, at Utah State, plus a home game against Fresno State. And then the NCAA, or the Mountain West tournament, there's so many good teams computer metrics-wise that it doesn't matter who you play in the NCAA or in the Mountain West tournament, you're going to have a good opponent, which would count as a quality win if you win it. You still got to win the games, obviously. So still still a, a path to get into the NCAA tournament as an at-large team for the Lobos ahead. Or you could just go win the Mountain West tournament and get in automatically. That's always an option and uh, always the hope. You, uh, you, you try and win every game you play. So um, the Lobos still can get into the NCAA tournament. Saturday was bad, but it was one piece of a, of a 31-game regular season puzzle. Just one piece. And that is why Sunday, when you looked at the net rankings, the Lobos only dropped from 20th to 26th. Uh, all computer rankings, they're still in the top 35-ish. I don't think they're in the 40s in, in any major analytic um, ranking or rating that, I, that I've seen so far. So they are still in the 20s and 30s. The worst net ranking that or the highest the or best however you want to look at the highest net ranking that hasn't made an NCAA tournament is number 33 NC State in 2019 did not make the NCAA tournament when they finished the season ranked 33 in the net right now the Lobos are at 26 so they're still in position to be in position to make the NCAA tournament their seed probably won't be great now uh, that loss will hurt a, a good seeding opportunity for them but uh, as of right now they're in, but they're they're going to have to sweat it out a little bit on Selection Sunday. My conversation with um, Hunter Green not only talks about that, but also about the way the Wednesday night game ended. Seven seconds ago, Donovan Dent, court, coast to coast, uh, hits a, a game-winning layup against Colorado State, February 21st, 2024. On the same date in 1987, February 21st, 1987, in Colorado, or at Colorado State, in Fort Collins, in Moby Arena, um... Hunter Green was there, and his good friend and teammate, Kelvin Scarborough, uh, goes the length of the floor for a game-winning dunk. And uh, we, we talk about that. It's it's pretty cool that the, it was even the same date, uh, February 21st, that those two things happened. But as it was happening, yeah, uh, Hunter kind of remembered it a little bit, and, and some Lobo fans certainly remembered it. Uh, game winner at the buzzer. Um, in that game, it was a, a game winner. Uh, this one, there were a couple seconds left last week. Uh, Donovan Dents, there were still a couple seconds left. The Colorado State was able to set up a last play, and, and they missed it. Um, and then the Lobos won, of course, beat a ranked team. So good conversation with Hunter Green. Um, like I said, conversations like this are brought to you by people like TLC Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, Electrical for for presenting and for sponsoring this episode. But uh, also, subscribers like you. Let me know what you think about these conversations. You can always get me on, on social media. Uh, used to be known as Twitter, but now X. I'm at Jeff Grammer. You can email me as well. Grammar at abqjournal.com. But I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation I have with Hunter Green, the Lobo legend and local businessman and radio analyst for the UNM Lobos. Um, here you go. First of all, thanks for coming on, man. Good to... Good to see you through through Zoom. I see you at every game, but, yeah. but good to see you um on through the computer here. Uh how's it going? Good, good. The, the uh, sun came up. The sun the, came up. The sun came up for, <laughs> for a couple consecutive days. I was actually surprised um as we record this on, on Monday, two days after the Air Force loss. Um I, I was a little surprised that uh the the net rankings didn't fall as, as far as I thought they might fall and those kind of things, but 
But the reality is, like, it, it's hard in the moment to to remember this, but a body of work is what are they now? Twenty one and six or seven, whatever. You know, they've yeah. they played twenty seven, twenty eight games, yeah. and and the season isn't just what happened Saturday afternoon. We right. we get so caught up in the now that as bad as Saturday was, it, it was one piece of a 28, 29 piece puzzle right now. So um, maybe I, I should have realized that too, because I've been doing this a while and you've been doing it longer. Yes. Um, for people who don't know, um, let's, you know, we've done the, the journals done business profiles of you and stuff like that. Um, tell us real quick what you do outside of the basketball world. And then I kind of want to walk through a little history of of Hunter Green, the the Lobo legend. But what do you what do you well, do? I always my my line today has always been, you know, you know, they ask him, what do you do? I say, I, whatever it takes, right? I mean, so I'm in business. I'm I'm in commercial real estate. I'm broker at uh, SVN, um, Walt Arnold Commercial Brokerage, and then of course uh, I play developer. Um, I own a number of businesses, so I'm I'm a little bit of everything. So and exactly, I do what it takes to get it done. So. Um, yeah, just a local businessman. How about that? Local businessman. The uh, <laughs> the local businessman part started though because because you went to school at UNM. You would have gone to school somewhere else and, and done right. it, obviously. But what got you to UNM out of uh, out of California? Well, I was recruited by Gary Colson and um, um, came out, took a visit. Um, but I really fell in love with Col Coach Colson and yeah. his his um, just his temperament was perfect for me and um and then of course fell in love with the people in new mexico um everyone thinks the pit the pit did kind of was kind of this shiny object that kind of allured me but I, it was really coach colson and then of course the, the community i think yeah there's some there's some things that can get you to a school and there's other things that'll keep you in the community and and that's sort of what the i guess the pit i always think of the pit um, I'm I'm lucky enough to get paid to you know watch games there, right, and uh, and cover games there. But I always think of the pit as um, a, a cool looking um, historic basketball venue. But the pit is what sort of has made this program, right? It's it's the fact that these fans come in, um, win or lose, uh, and and keep showing up. And and for the past decade, there there's been some lean times. Um, uh, and you've been you've been sitting courtside for a lot of those. So yeah, uh, for the most part, fans are still showing up, and and they're allowed to have their opinions. That is yeah. that is how it goes. Um, and 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 the passion though, a whole lot of fan bases around the country would would trade in what they've got for what the Lobos got. Even in the even in the times where, you know, I remember Larry Eustachie once said of the New Mexico job, it was it was the, the hardest job the expectations are so skewed for what they pay and this and that and yeah it's a tough job but like there's a whole lot of programs that would trade what uh new mexico has in terms of passion uh for for what they have yeah no i agree i you know the pit is brick and mortar it's the people it's the fans you know it's the it's the passion that make the pit right i mean it's um in that you know what comes with that is you get a great fan base um you get this relationship with fans i call it you know and I, I've lived it, right? So it's it's that love, and then there's that tough love, right? It's it's like um, you know I could tell my brother certain things, but no one else better talk bad right. or say anything bad about my brother, right? That's kind of how Lobo fans are. Like we can, you know, and moan yeah. about it, but we, you know, but no one else better say anything bad about our Lobos, right? So um, so that's the trade off. 
that comes with this type of environment. And it's a special environment, I, I believe. I've been around a lot of venues across the country, and um, I think New Mexico basketball is number one in terms of the fan base and the passion that they have for Lobo basketball. I think it's a very New Mexico thing to to what you just described in terms of, you know, I, I'll call my brother whatever I want to call my brother, but you you say the exact same thing I just said, and we're gonna have a problem. Exactly right. So no, that's true. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 New Mexico. It's who we are. I mean, it's um, and it means a lot to us. You know, I tell people when we got ranked twenty fifth in the country, that just means so much. I mean, we're always. 49th, 50th, and a lot of things and across the country. But to be ranked in the top 25, you know, the economic impact that it brings to this state is huge. And and um, and so and it makes us proud. So there's a lot of good things that come when Lobo basketball is on top and doing well. Let's before we get into this team and your courtside um seat to the past decade, but really this team specifically, um Let's go back to your playing days. You, uh, 84 through 88, I believe, um, one year off. What was the injury? In the middle there, you were off a year, right? Yeah, so 83 to 88, I sat out uh, 85, 86. Okay. Yeah, tore, tore, my, uh, tore my ankle and okay. practiced. Yeah, the, about a week before the exhibition game in November, um, landed on Stoney Evans' foot and practiced and tore um, two of the outside ligaments. When you think about those playing days um, and, and you guys were down there practicing on the pit floor and you, you look around, you're you're there now. And if you're over there to shoot around or even pregame and looking around, the pit doesn't look a whole lot different. I know up top they, they did some things, but it's got to have exactly the same feel stone kind of concrete bleacher seating around. And Yeah, I mean, there's some things. It's funny because Coop was in town and we were talking about the difference. And really, it's where the, the student section sits. Yeah. The student section used to be kind of like center court, maybe about three or four rows up. And um, and in fact, probably right on the floor. I just remember scoring a basket, making a jump shot or whatever, and then going down this high five in the students, right? You know, as we ride, you know, run back on defense. So um, just the, I think the placement of where the students are, um, you know, the banners aren't up there anymore. But no, it's it's pretty much the same. And, and of course, it doesn't get 18-4. It gets, right. you know, like maybe 15-4. Um, so that's a huge difference. But the guys, you know, the, the crowd that comes today is they're bringing the energy and it, it still kind of has that I call pit feel to it. The pit. The pit, pit, pit we call it pit game, right? Yeah, that's the pit game. It was that a pit yeah. game or not? And that's what we're always looking for. And and sometimes, again, sort of been some, some lean years. Sometimes we maybe are, are stretching and reaching a little bit for, you know, a, a – a B plus game that we might kind of think of as a pit game because there there used to be a lot yeah. of A games, um, and right. it's been a while, but they're coming back. They they are yeah. coming back a little bit. So, um, those days, who were some of your the highlights? Um, I want to ask about Scar in just a minute, but who who oh, are yeah. some of the other the teammates that you uh, remember playing with, and some of the highlights it's of your funny. playing days? It's funny you say Scar because I mean it, he he could remember everything, and and <laughs> I said, well, how does he remember all this stuff? And I think years after he sat and watched someone he video game videos vhs tapes because that's what we were on yeah um because he can remember it but no i um the guys that i remember playing with when i first came you know we had senior class and then really a freshman class you know nelson france uh bill smith of course tim garrett uh alan delinsky and then um 
we had TJ Drake. He was a, the only junior in that group. George Scott was redshirting that year, uh, my freshman year. So, um, but yeah, and of course, playing with George Scott the following year and then played with Johnny Brown. I played with a number of different classes um, throughout my career. Um, you know, I didn't finish with the guys I came with, you know, Mike Winters, of course, uh, Kelvin Scarborough, Larry Marklin. Because of that uh, injury. Those guys. Yeah, got injured. So I had to sit out a year. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, there are a lot of great players that I played alongside with and and had some great memories. All right. I'm going to, again, I'm going to get back to Scar in a second. Let's talk about that 88 Arizona game. I know that's the highlight in a lot of people's minds. Um, you, uh, you, uh, we have a photo of it, um, uh, of you standing. It's, it's cool that we had this, um, but uh, Bobby Dibler is the referee. Lute Olson and you standing courtside about to, I think inbound the ball, I assume is what was about to happen there or something. And uh, it's a pretty cool picture from, from yeah. that era. Uh, what do you remember of that big uh, knocking off number one Arizona game? Oh, it was huge. I mean, the crowd, you know, and we talk about it to this day, some of the former teammates, we talk about like this hum, like it was so loud. There was a hum that you couldn't really hear each other speak. Um, and then even I remember in our huddles with, you know, with coach, the, the coaches, um, you know, and that's probably why, you know, guys write things down on a wax board or whatever, because you couldn't communicate it verbally. I mean, you know, so, um, but yeah, it was just the noise and the crowd. Um, I was sick that game. I actually had a temperature before the game. Um, Toe Dim gave me a shot, had to break a hundred before I could play. I was like, I said, Toe, I'm playing in this game. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Give me whatever, bring it on. And uh, anyway, I was able to break a hundred, and we play. I was able to play in that game, but I just remember um, Jimmy Rogers really being the star of that game for us offensively. Yeah, the uh, the the names that people will remember from from NBA days um, across the court from you guys is, is crazy. I mean, Steve Kerr was there, Elliot was there, um, a couple other yeah, guys. a lot of guys. Yeah, so Anthony Cook, who played at my high school. Uh, Tom Tolbert, who I played against, you know, yeah. of course, California kid, um, you know, Sean Elliott, who came friends. We were roommates at the Olympic trials. And then, of course, Steve uh, Kerr, we played against each other in high school as well. So, um, no, it was good. It was, um, you know, and then we played against each other in high school. But then we always go home in the summer and play in these summer leagues. So right. it was great bragging rights when I went back in the summer to have that win, you know, um, beating Arizona because a lot of those got kids were from California. So well, I remembered um, in COVID when everybody's kind of grasping at things to cover and write about, you guys did the recap of that game video wise and kind of walked right. through it, um, which, which was you know, just great stuff. I wrote a story about it as well. And I heard some of the stories um, your, your guy, if I remember correctly, it was your guy. Um, who was the the Herman Munster sitting courtside? Um, oh yeah. So that's my, my mentor, Al Lewis. Um, yeah, so Al, Al, uh, Grandpa, I call him Mr. Lewis, and uh, his his Grandpa two boys, Mark. yeah, Paul Lewis and Ted Lewis came with me. Uh, they were uh, managers on the team, and Ted happened to be my best friend in high school, so it kind of worked out. Um, so yeah, Mr. Lewis was was courtside um, as much as he could be because he lived in New York at the time, so he yeah. would travel in and and come, you know. I remember make his presence felt on the court because you can hear him barking. I mean, he was, he was always loud and. He was a uh, you know very knowledgeable of the game. So I, I remember asking or talking to some, one of the players from Arizona um, just a couple of years ago. Like I said, that COVID recap we did in the in the journal, and one of them said, 
He said, it was such a weird experience. The whole thing, you walk down, he, he mentioned kind of the hum like you did. He said, I remember looking courtside and I, if I remember right, I think like Grandpa Munster was there. Um, <laughs> not, not Herman yes. Munster, Grandpa Munster. And he Grandpa, said, yes. if I remember hearing right, like, I think somebody had a heart attack, but they waited up at the on the concourse <laughs> kind of level to, to watch the end of the game and all those stories, yeah. you know, the lore of, of that game. Some of it I, I realized through the years maybe grows and grows a little more than it actually was. <laughs> it gets, gets embellished. Well, the pig gets louder for sure. It does. No, right? it, yeah. <laughs> So that was the the single game maybe highlight, I would think, um, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I want to ask you about Scar because last week, February 21st, um, 2024, Donovan Dent has a coast-to-coast um, dunk, uh, or no, layup, rather, yeah. um, for a, a, essentially a game winner. I know there were a couple seconds left, so it wasn't a, a buzzer beater, right. but a coast-to-coast uh, game winner by Donovan Dent to beat Colorado State. Um, I was so mad when the next day an email came in from a fan saying, hey, that if I remember correctly, I think Scarborough did that against uh, Colorado State, too. I pull it up. And sure enough, that's the the infamous, the, the famous um, game winning dunk that that Kelvin had. Um, were you at you were at that game, right? That was in the 87 game. That that game. Wasn't yes. game. Yeah. I, I was a guy tackling him after he made that dunk. No, uh, it's funny because after the game, Ned James, who was, you know, playing football at the time we played and he was te- we were texting. He goes, man, that sure reminded me of Scarborough taking it coast to coast to win the game at CSU. And I almost want to say, was it to the same date? Like the same February date. Yeah, that's what yeah. blew my mind. It was February 21st, 1987. Yeah, no, that's that's my boy Scar. I mean, so. You know, we're in a huddle. I think we had five seconds left, and we knew Scar could dribble the ball, you know, the length of most point guards with quickness can dribble five seconds the length of the court. So the plan was to dribble the ball to the hole, take it to the hole, and put the, you know, put the pressure on the officials, make right. them make the call or whatever. And and I think in Scar's mind was like, I'm taking this all the way to the hole. I am going to dunk it. And Pat Durham was at the rim, was one of their top players at the time, Pat Durham. And and he dunked it right over Pat Durham. And, and man, I just like, but, you know, nothing really ever surprised me about Scar because Scar was just that guy. I mean, he was um, a freak of nature on the basketball court, uh, just had raw talent. I mean, when we worked out, he would play around like he did. You know, but when the ball was rolled out there for game time, he was ready and he uh, he showed up. And and so that was just an amazing to me, one of the top finishes and game winners on the road that we've ever had in this history of this program that I've been a part of. <laughs> well, that was uh, obviously the time before social media and, and YouTube, but that would right. that would have been on. Exactly. Every- um, I'm going to use that to sort of. Uh, move move forward a little bit with you and scar's name are all over these I'm looking at the game notes now that steve kirkland puts together you know and he has in the media guide the the career leaders and all these stats and and uh you and scar are all over both of those or i mean both of you are all over a, a bunch of these lists um i don't well i'll ask how many of these numbers do you remember when you hear like, oh, Hunter Green is at this point in the career scoring list or the assists or the this or that? Do you, do you remember? You know, it's, fun. it's funny because as a player, when you're playing, you don't think about, you know, I'm trying to make, you know, score 2000 points for my career or anything like that. I mean, it's never been a goal. Um, and then as you sit back and you look at, the, you know, the snapshot of in terms of when you played versus when the guys played before you or even after you there's always, a, it's, a, there's a difference. Like, I mean, the three pointer wasn't around or, 
um, freshmen couldn't play or, you know, like all those things. But um, the only one that stands out and everyone always asks me is like, are you still number one score? Are you still the leading scorer in the history of the program? I go, no, I'm dropping like a rock. I'm I'm <laughs> number eight. So but, you know, I keep it in perspective because, again, I was uh, fortunate enough to break Willie Long's record who only played three years again, he couldn't play freshman ball and stuff like that and didn't have a three pointer. And, and so, I mean, I look back and I I really, you know, I read about Petey Gibson and Willie Long, like that combination, you know, it's kind of like Kelvin Scarborough and myself. Right. So, um, and then now you, and you, you know, fast forward to today, you've got Mashburn and house. And so, um, no, it's just fun. It's fun, you know, to look at numbers and, and it's fun. Actually, I get a kick out of seeing these guys break my record, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I'm just, I'm like happy to be alive. You know, I played, I've been here 40 years. I played what, 35 years ago. You know, if guys are breaking my record, good things are happening. Right. Yeah. So. Cause you guys had some success, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off a couple of these. Then I want to get into Jalen. Jalen has passed you on a couple of things. You yes. say on the scoring list, you're dropping like a rock. You are eighth right now at 1,745 career points scored. Um, that, that puts you right behind Luke Longley, a couple spots behind Ruben Douglas, who, who passed you through the years. Kendall Williams, a little more recently is up at five, but um, you're right. I mean, right now, uh, right behind you, just six points behind you is Rob Robbins. Um, and now number 10 is, is Jamal and Jamal Mashburn Jr. In the Air Force game and in, in the disappointing Air Force loss, Jamal Mashburn Jr. Um, actually passed a couple, a couple legends, Willie Long, who you mentioned was number 10 and Mel Daniels was number 11. Well, now Jamal Mashburn Jr. is number 10 in the, the Lobos all-time scoring list. And, and I don't know if he catches you, um, but it, it, I mean, it's, I guess, I suppose it could happen this year and, and. Frankly, I, this is a whole other podcast at some other point, but he does have a COVID year if he wants it. So um, anyway, uh, Jamal yeah. Masper Jr. is now in the top 10, and you are at 8. But I'm looking at these other stats, too. Career assist leader, you're at 13. Um, Jalen House has passed you just this season in career assists, but you weren't okay. just a scorer. You were dishing it, too. And then career free throws, you're at 13. Jalen House passed you uh, fairly recently there as well. I see you career field goal leader. You're at number 4. But this is the stat now I want to talk to you about, and it's career steals. And it's you and Scarborough, again, the one-two punch where you were number two all time for, well, since since you played until yeah. um, recently. And uh, Kelvin's still number one. And, and Jalen House, who 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 is a fantastic steal um, defensive, on-ball defensive player, a gambler a little bit, obviously. I think we all yeah. understand that. Um, but uh, right now, number one all-time leader in UNM steals is Kelvin Scarborough at 235. Um, Jalen House is number two right now at 210. I don't know how many he had against the Air Force, but add that to 210 because these game notes were from before the Air Force game. But then number three, Hunter Green at 203. So you guys are the three Lobos in history that have broken 200 career steals. What do you see in Jalen House as his ability to steal the ball? And and what kind of mindset does it take to, to to just be a guy that can steal the ball from an opponent? I think first of all, it's it's the um you gotta have the desire. You have to have the desire to want that ball. So that's where it first starts. And then of course you've gotta, you know, anticipate. You gotta have to kind of be a little thief, you know, you gotta, you know, you, you cheat a little bit, right? Um, but part of it too, I mean. I had long arms, whereas Kelvin Scarborough and Jalen House have quickness. And so um, 
But again, it goes back to the desire that, you know, if you want to get that ball, I mean, that's what you're going to get. And so, um, so I think that's where, and for me and Scar, I mean, me and Scar would compete, honestly, like, because I remember, I think Rob Portnoy, my partner, Robert Portnoy, he he asked me the question, like, what is it? Well, I said, honestly, I was driven by my teammate, Kelvin Scarborough, and, and we pushed each other. Like, we would go out and see, not to see who could score the most points, but who can get the most steals, right? And yeah. And that was, I think that was where it kind of all started for us. Do you see similarities fast forwarding to this team in, in the last few years? Do you see similarities with Jalen and Scar other than quickness? Um, and do, do the Jalen on the court so passionate. Scar, Scar had a lot of passion too. Could probably yeah. calm it down a little bit. Probably yeah. didn't go over the top. You know, it's it's funny because I look. I mean, I think I would have probably been more passionate. I think Scar would have been more. I think it was the kind of the coaching style and, and what they allowed you to do. Um, I, I like the idea that Coach Patino allows Jalen to be passionate yeah. um, because it really reflects kind of who this fan base is. You know, um, that underdog that, you know, typically he, he reflects more of the population of New Mexico than I do at 6'7". I mean, <laughs> Jalen House is a shorter guy. I mean, these guys are all listed at 6'2", but I, I mean, I, yeah, on a good day, right? So... Um, but I think, you know, um, they're, they're both different. I mean, I think, you know, off the court, Scar, coaches couldn't tell Scar not to be. So he was very, um, outgoing, very, you know, talkative. And he was like that on the court too. But I, I think they're both just quick and, and it goes back to the desire. I, I look at house and I, I tell you, I've not seen a player in 40 years. Again, not seen a player like that in a Lobo uniform, with that much desire, that much um, like fight, like he 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 gives up his body. People don't realize. Like first of all, he's guarding ninety four feet most of the time, and then he turns around on offense. He's trying to get. He's going in amongst the trees. He's trying to score. He gets knocked on his butt. I mean, so he's you know um, he's given one hundred and ten percent, and I I like that. I think the fans appreciate that about about Jalen. Um, you know, he's very passionate about this game and, and we like that, you know, as, as a spectator. I won't ask you for specific examples here, but as a broadcaster, you're a former Lobo who who's invested in this program. You're in this community, you're invested in this program. Um, in the past, what have you done in eight, nine years so, now? You've been doing so this? I can say what I want to say. Is that you what you're saying? Say what you want to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, this is my 10th year. Yeah. 10th year. Okay. You you've seen some some frustrating times, and and I'm yeah. curious how hard it is to understand as a player. It's not worth over criticizing them. Sometimes they're going through it. Sometimes they deserve it, and that's right. fine. A player right, right. at this level deserves some criticism. On the you step on the court, you take some of that on. But the over the top stuff, like you you get frustrated as a former player seeing what you know. At times, it's probably like, oh, that would have never happened when I played, and we wouldn't have done it that way. How do you balance that mentality with um, the fact that you know things today are just a little different? I guess so, you know, how hard is that as a former player? You know, I, we're aging. My we start to age ourselves when you start. But you know what? I start to accept the change. Accept that you know there's a portal. Accept that coaches leave once they have a good season. I mean. You start to try to accept some of those things. It's hard for me because I am so like, you know, you want people to be vested and be, you know, yeah. be here for four years or whatever. So um, those changes I've, I've learned to accept um, just like 
my kids got me going to an Android, you know, to a out of my flip phone to a, you know, a, a, a state of the art phone. Um, but yeah, you start to accept those things. You know, I, I like, you know, this team, I really like uh, this coaching staff. I, I mean, we don't give them enough credit. I mean, the guys, Coach Patino has been here, what, 34 months? Yeah. And, you know, he's got us competing. I mean, he's got us competing for Mountain West Conference Championships. So that's exciting. And that doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, it's recruitment. His assistant coaches work tirelessly trying to, you know, get players to come to New Mexico. And then, of course, Patino. I mean, his style of coaching is so different from his father's, I think. Um, I really like his disposition in terms of how uh, he is so even keel. Um, and so he and to his example, he says, you know, we don't get too high. and We don't get too low. Well, there's a, here's a, a real opportunity of not getting too low because that loss against Air Force was probably, you know, I'd say one of the top five losses in the history of this program in the pit. Um, because it was, it was a gut, a, a gut, uh, puncher. I mean, it, you know, punch it right. Yeah, it was. So, um, but this coach's disposition, he's not going to allow these guys to get too low, you know? And, and so they'll, they'll bounce back and they've got a lot of basketball left. They are, uh, I, I believe, I mean, at least at this point, they're, they're still an NCAA tournament team. The seed may not be great, but I, I do think they're probably going to break that 10 year drought this year. Um, to what you just said, though, not only do they have a few games left in the in the regular season that could help them, this Mountain West tournament doesn't matter who you play; they're all going to be quality. You know, that's right. At this point, that's so. right. I agree. I mean, I tell you, you know, San Jose State, they can shoot the ball. They get hot, and and you know, and and you're not making shots. I mean, it could get ugly. So no, I mean, you have to take everyone, everyone serious because it's not an easy W. And I think, you know, that was proven Saturday afternoon. And I will point out real quick for Air Force, not only did they beat UNM in the pit, uh, they went and beat UNLV by 32 right. in Las Vegas, and they had Colorado State in overtime. They should have beat them at the end of regulation. That's right. What what UNM did Saturday ha has happened two other times, one by a blowout, and then one Colorado State got to overtime, luckily, and then beat them in overtime. But like right. Air Force can rise to to the level of uh, of what they did Saturday. But yeah, I, I, I would agree with you, and I kind of looked it up as best I could kind of trying to put some context on where it ranks in terms of ratings. Right. And it's, right. it's as bad a loss as, as there has been in a long time. And I've been in some bad ones, but the, that was pretty bad. And I mean, I could, I looked up after the game. I mean, the fans were just, they didn't leave. They kind of that was stood there. Their jaws like, did this just happen? <laughs> yeah. There was a lot but, of fans. You're right. And I don't know. And part of it's an afternoon game, maybe right. People weren't leaving early to, to go home and go to sleep or something, but like so many fans just kind of stood there after it was yeah. over for a while. Like it was a shock. It was. So Hunter, look, man, I, I appreciate you doing this. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the rest of this season and, and this team? Do, do you think they're going to be in the NCAA tournament? You know, because the era I played in, it was so subjective. And now with all these different matrix and all the net and the pink and palm and the, you know, there's so much data there. Um, and I, I listen to guys like you to help yeah. me cipher through all that. Cause I don't, you know, check the net every week. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I always say don't leave it in the hands of the committee or those people, you know, that have all the analytics because, um, you never know. And I thought when I played, I bet 
probably two of the four years we probably should have been, right? We should have been in the tournament. But we cut, we controlled our own destiny. We lost in the tournament championship, I think twice. And that's why, you know, we didn't make it. But um, that's, and I don't, again, I don't put it on the committee. I don't blame anyone because we, we controlled our own destiny and we didn't, we didn't take advantage of it. So I'm telling the Lobos today, do not let that committee or do not let those people that keep the analytics um, make those decisions for you go out and take care of it because you still have time. It's not the end of the world. They've got three more games. Now, albeit two of them on the road are tough, but they're doable. I mean, yeah. we just saw what Air Force did to the, you know, Lobos in the pit. So they're doable. Um, you know, so just keep your head up and, and continue to play and push forward. And, you know, good things will happen, I believe, for them. You having fun doing this? You know, it's funny you asked that question. This is the first winning season in 10 years. I mean, when Rob and I travel, when we lose, we sw we swim in the same misery. Yeah. And and it's not easy. And um, but so to answer your question, I am having a blast. <laughs> I will say the vibe after games and, and around the program is absolutely different when they're having a, a good season like this. Right. Yes. Oh. It's funny how winning cures all. Right. I mean, it does. And so, like I said, I think this coach, Coach Patino and his staff um, and I, I rarely talk to him. I, I we don't we don't interact much, um, but I've watched carefully how this coaching staff has handled this program and couldn't be any prouder. Awesome. Hunter Green, I appreciate you for uh, having this conversation and doing this podcast and a uh, few more weeks of basketball ahead. Hopefully it'll be maybe a month or so of basketball ahead, right? That's right. Just keep it up. We, we, we enjoy it. We like fun. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jeff. All right, there you go. Uh, a conversation with Hunter Green, the Lobo legend, the radio analyst, local businessman. Uh, all the all the hats Hunter wears. Um, much appreciated that he was able to uh, to wear the hat of a Talking Grammar podcast guest uh, today. So, episode eighty one is in the books. Much thanks to Hunter for for coming on the show and giving his unique perspective to Lobo basketball as a former player and the the radio analyst um, for their broadcasts. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy all these broadcasts, all these podcasts that the Albuquerque Journal Podcast Network is starting to bring you. Check out our work, though, uh, abqjournal.com every day, bringing you, you know, news, politics, business, entertainment industry news, uh, which is huge in New Mexico, obviously, and sports, of course, high school sports, football, basketball, all this stuff. Check it out, abqjournal.com slash subscribe if you want to help support local journalism to, to continue bringing you all this coverage. And uh, if you're listening, if you're watching, subscribe, 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 hit that subscription button on Apple Podcasts, hit that uh, Spotify subscribe button. Um, these podcasts will automatically upload into your feed if you do so. Um, again, TLC Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, Electrical, thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Let me know what you think about this episode and future episode ideas. Give me your thoughts. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>